turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite your attention to Romans chapter 12 at verse 17. We find these words, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, we need you on this morning so that this word might be clear, so that your power and presence might be manifest in this place and amongst those who might listen in various formats, whether on uh, their phones or whether on their computers or whether through their televisions or on the radio or whatever means by which they might hear this word on today. God, I'm praying that the power of your word would not only penetrate the ears and hearts of those who are listening, but God, that it might evoke a response in them to the word of God that they hear. Spirit of the Lord, I am in need of you as I stand to declare your word that you might speak clearly through these lips of clay words of everlasting life. I'm praying, God, that you would give me the ability of clarity of thought and clarity of speech, that the very oracle of God might be manifest. Spirit of the Lord, I'm praying that you'd save someone who's lost, that you would deliver someone who's in trouble, that you would draw someone back into fellowship who has walked away and broken the fellowship. But God, most importantly, it is my prayer in this time of preaching that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise for you, God, alone are worthy of it all. And so I'm trusting you right now, God, to do what you do best, have your own way. And Lord, when it is all said and done, we will glorify you for you are our God. It's in Jesus name. I pray with thanksgiving and expectation. The people said together, amen. Amen. Catherine, we've been on a journey preaching through a series of messages entitled Romans 12, a call to serve. We started in chapter 12, verse number one, and we spoke there from the idea of plea to serve God for his glory. Then we move to verse 2 in the second part of the series, encouraging us to be transformed for service. And then from verse 3 to verse 8, we preached in the third part of the series from the idea, use your spiritual gifts in serving. And last week when we were together, we were looking 
at verses 9 through 16. And there we spoke from the idea, serve the Lord and one another with love. In this final portion of chapter 12, he shifts his focus from the inside to show us and to give us instruction on how to serve those who are outside the body. And I believe not only is Paul helping us to understand how to address and serve the unbeliever, but also some believers that are also contrary, contrite, and carnal. So on this morning, I want to talk to you from the idea, the life character necessary for serving those outside the body. What Paul, in essence, is going to do is say to you and say to me that there is a certain character that we must have if we're going to be effective at serving those who are outside the body of Christ, those who don't know Jesus. And so as we look at this text this morning, the first few verses here, verses 17 and 18, Paul says, repay no one evil for evil, having regard for good things. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. The first character that he lays out for us is to, to live peaceably. Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. Don't give back the evil that they give you. Well, well wait a minute, Pastor. Wait, wait, wait. I hear what you're saying, but that ain't how we learned it. Now I want y'all to fill in the blank. An eye for and a tooth. See, that's how you learned it. But Paul says, as a child of God, don't lower your standards to give back the same evil that they gave to you. Uh, It says, repay no one evil for evil. Don't give back to them what they gave to you. Regard, as a matter of fact, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And let me qualify something. It doesn't say do nothing. It doesn't say, you know, just be a a doormat and, and let them walk over you and trounce over you and let everything go. No, because calling the police and reporting a crime or letting your family and friends or others know that uncle such and so and auntie so and so and cousin so and so ought not be left alone with your children because they're a pedophile that's not evil that's wisdom God has given us wisdom in our own level of response and we'll get to how far that response is but our response is not a response of evil that they've given to us that's what Paul says first of all we've got to live peaceably But if auntie, uncle, cousin, mama, daddy, whoever they are, got a problem, everybody else around in the body needs to know, lest we are opening the rest of the body up to harm. We got to protect the body. But don't return the evil for evil. He says, verse number 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Now, you're going to have some interactions with some folk and they're going to be evil and they're going to push hard and they're going to push back. But don't let the fact that there's no peace be because you pushed back and gave back evil for their evil. You do what Christ has led and instructed and given you power to do. So now Paul says, I don't want you to return that evil that you had like you used to. Because they are children of the devil that's all they know is evil so they're only going to bring what is of their substance but you need to meet their evil with the power and presence of God not with equal evil 
Paul acknowledges is going to have some limits here in the text. He says as much as is possible. Based on what you're capable of, based on your ability to yield to the Holy Spirit in you. Because here's another reality. Sometimes we just get caught off guard and we fail to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. And as much as we wanted to keep our hand in our pocket, it slips out and smacks somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So he gives us the idea that there are limitations as much as it is possible, as much because some of it is on them, but some of it is on us. Some of it is just going to be our failure to yield. It's going to be our failure to, to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And that's a struggle we, we're, we have now, but it's a struggle we always will have as children of God. And it's the reason why we aren't living perfectly in every area, because there are times when we just fail to yield to the Holy Spirit. So he says, if it's possible, live peaceably with all men, saved and unsaved. The objective here is to live in harmony and in peace with everyone and without compromising your holiness. The enemy is always pushing you and me to compromise our holiness, to come down to his level and to disgrace ourselves and our God by doing that which is evil. And Paul says, don't return to evil for evil. So live peaceably. Secondly, he says here, live lovingly. Verse 19, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap hot coals of fire on his head. Do not avenge yourselves, give place to the wrath. Avenge gives the idea of executing judgment and justice that you have declared they are deserving of. I put that you declared there because, see, when we respond and when we avenge, we avenge according to what we think that they are deserving of. So based on the offense If I am going to avenge, I'm going to avenge in the manner and to the extent that I believe you deserve. So parents, when they break a little bowl in the kitchen that was part of a set that just cost $20, they might get three licks. But when they break the vase that you told them not to play around and you let them know this is a family heirloom and has been in the family for generations and they ignored all of your instructions and they ran around, they threw balls at it and everything else and it broke and it was irreplaceable. Now you determine that the judgment that's coming your way is not just three licks. I'm going to kill you. We make these judgments so this vengeance that he's referring to is to execute the judgment that you believe the person is worthy of but he says that's not yours to do and we don't need to do it why pastor because we have a judge who is just and he is righteous and his name is jesus when god judges his judgment is always much better and more effective than ours can or will ever be. 
Here in the text, he says, don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. That's the get away from it. Let God take care of it. And what Romans 13, 4 lets us know is that God has enlisted some authorities, police and judicial systems and magistrates to be anointed and appointed as ministers of good to avenge wrath on his behalf to the offenders and not for us to take matters into our own hands but rather as he says here step back and give way give place to the wrath of God let God's judgment be executed according to the way he's going to do it let God do what he's going to do sometimes God executes wrath in a divine way which means it comes from heaven, and sometimes God uses the agents of humanity to execute his judgment. But leave it up to God to figure out how that's going to be done. Ultimately, he, he wants us to live in demonstration of the love of Christ. The proper way to live towards your offender is to love them. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, he says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Jesus is intentional, and he's very emphatic for us. If we're going to interact, if we're going to serve those outside the body, we've got to love them because love covers a multitude of sin. Love is what draws people in. It's not returning evil for evil that draws people. No, it's love that draws people. In fact, if God had returned to you the evil that you gave him, you would have never accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. It was because even in spite of all the hatred, in spite of all the evil that you were dishing out he just kept loving you and sooner or later somewhere along the line you started to figure out you know what God is better to me than I deserve him to be because he keeps loving me and loving me and loving me and blessing me and blessing me and blessing me and even though I'm not doing right he keeps on favoring me and so sooner or later we realize you know what I need that God in my life I need to submit myself and surrender I'm drawn to his love because his love is un imaginable and so he says look don't return to evil but rather give them love and if they hate you love them if they use you pray for them this is hard stuff i know y'all looking at me like "Hmm, i ain't there yet pastor get that no this is it's it's not easy but listen and then he even gives you some some illustrations here in the text he says if your enemy is hungry feed him Love them and serve them by feeding them when they're hungry. If he or she is thirsty, give them a drink. If you're going to serve them effectively, you've got to love them. You've got to demonstrate love because, and and like I said, I know this is difficult. It's it's going to be challenging. It is challenging. But I think what we have to do is we've got to remember the motive underneath all of this. Why am I loving someone who's doing me wrong? Why am I feeding someone who doesn't care about me? Why am I giving a drink to somebody who's my enemy and every opportunity they can, they're trying to cast me down? Here's what helps. My assignment here on earth until I'm caught up to meet him in the air is to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God to demonstrate to a lost, dying, desperately wicked world that is 
evil and desirous to pour evil on my life, my job, my responsibility is to show them the love of Christ. My responsibility is to help them to understand there's a kingdom that's better than this kingdom. I want to show them a glimpse of glory. I want to demonstrate to them what my father looks like, what my father acts like. I want them to know that even when you're evil, my God will love you. It's my job to be that kind of ambassador. And so I'm going to take it on the shoulder so that he can get glory out of my life and that you can be drawn to a kingdom that is eternal. The text says, as I'm doing this, in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. As I'm loving them and I'm serving them in love and I'm giving out love where they're dishing out evil, where they're dishing out hate and I'm pouring on love. What I'm doing is I'm pouring on them something that's more powerful, a weapon that they ever anticipated could hit them. They thought that they had already conspired with the worst weapon that could be brought against me, but I returned to them with a weapon that they were unexpected to get. Lord, help me here. They did not expect that I was going to hug them and love them when they were trying to kill me. They did not expect that I was going to feed them when they were hungry and and, and they had done me all this wrong. No, they didn't expect that, but I pour on them a love that burns through the evil, that burns through the hatred, that burns past their father, the devil, that will overcome every evil that's in their life. I pour it on them. That's my motive. That's what I'm asking. I'm pouring hot coals on their head and they can't conceive because love in the face of dishing out hate will absolutely literally blow their mind that's the character that's necessary to serve those outside the church you've got to love them you've got to live lovingly at all angles so if it's if they're hungry feed them if they're thirsty give them a drink love them serve them by loving them lastly and i'm be done so the life character that's necessary of serving those outside the body is to live peaceably, to live lovingly. And then finally is in verse number 21. It says, do not over be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I would say live victoriously. Do not be overcome by evil. Uh, and as we've said over and over again, don't let evil overcome you. Don't lower your standards. Don't drop down to where evil is. He closes this whole thing out to the believing servant by saying to the believing servant, live victoriously. Don't let evil take you over. Don't let evil overcome you. Evil's all around us. Evil is, is coming at you from every angle, from, from multitudes of people, from multitudes of places. When you, when you turn on TV, there's evil. When you open up your phone, there's evil. When you, when you go down the street, there's evil. You go to the store, there's evil. Everywhere you go, evil, evil, evil. But don't let it overcome you. Don't, don't be overcome by evil because it's all around you. But he says, rather, you overcome evil with good. Now watch this. So I was kind of picking through this I thought in this portion when he says don't don't let evil overcome you it means I've got to resist the urge of my my flesh to be drawn back down into the evil that I once knew the evil behaviors the evil patterns that that would cause me to curse you out 
I've, I've got to resist the evil, and I, I, can't let that over, I can't let it overcome me. I can't let it overshadow me. I've got to resist the evil. I've, I've got to hold back from the evil. I've got, I can't let evil win. I can't surrender to that which I've already been delivered from. And in order to do that, I've got to remember that I've already overcome this world. Lord Jesus, I've got to remember that as I'm walking through this book of Romans, I've got to remember that Paul already told me in chapter 3 that I've already been justified. Paul already told me in chapter 6, I've already been sanctified. I've already been set apart to God. God's already got a place for me. I'm already victorious. I'm not still bound to this sinful world. I'm not still bound to the evil of this world. I've been set free. He tells me, he tells me that I've already been united with Christ in chapter 7. He tells me that I've been delivered from this evil and and old nature that I have in chapter 8. He tells me in chapter 11 that I've been grafted into the divine nature of God. I've got to remember I'm already victorious. He died that I might have life, not just any kind of life, not that I would have an evil life. No, he died that I would have an abundant life. He died on that cross to give me victorious life. Help me, Jesus. He gave his life. He died in shame for me so I could live victorious for him. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. Got up on the third day, victorious in power, so he can transfer to me and you power to live victoriously, power to overcome every evil that besets me. Power, yeah. Help me, God, live. In the power of God, live in the will of God, live in such a way that when you see me, you'll know there's something different about the way you walk. There's something different about the way you talk. You act like you've already won. We're just in the third quarter. Yeah. I know it looks like the third quarter, but I've already been to the end. I found out in the end we win. Yes, Lord. So I'm going to live victoriously. I'm going to live in the power of God. And when I live in a victory kind of way, the enemy will see, the outsider will see that they've got something that I need. They've got victory. And victory is in Jesus. Victory is in him. Yes, Lord. I found out a long time ago that victory ain't in me. If Christ ain't in me, when I try to do it all by myself, I fail every time. But when I turn it over to the power of God, victory is mine. I found out. That I can live in the power of God. And when I live victoriously, God takes care of all the rest.
I'm trying to help us today. If we're going to serve those outside the body, we've got to live peaceably. We've got to live lovingly, but we've got to live victoriously because victory is in Jesus. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together. And we invite you to join us in person for one of our spirit-filled worship services, Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Legacy Center, located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, or virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.